Welcome to Washoe Life, which is brought to you by the Communications Division here at Washoe County. Our goal is to bring you a snapshot of some interesting work being done by our residents in our county. Our guests may be your neighbor down the street, someone you might see on TV, or in today's case, someone you work with. I'm your co-host, Nancy Lewinhagen, the Communications Director here at Washoe County. And I'm Bethany Drysdale, Media and Communications Manager. And our February podcasts are focusing on Black History Month. Our conversation today is going to be with our county manager, Eric Brown. Eric, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thank you for having me. We appreciate you being here today. And we're going to cover a lot of topics with Eric, both professional and personal. And Eric, let's start at the top. As the leader of our organization, Washoe County, Nevada, uh, we have 27, approximately 2,700 employees It is Black History Month, and we're appreciative to have you here to talk about your experiences, both personally and professionally, and your vision for expanding diversity, equity, and inclusion at Washoe County. And let's just start with how that vision guides you, Mr. Brown. Well, um, for me, Black History Month um, was always uh, a time of year where in my family we um, took time to reflect on the many accomplishments and challenges of that uh, folks have faced, black folks have faced in this country and, and around the world, and um, more on the celebratory side. And um, uh, as the uh, product of two teachers, my parents were both uh, teachers. In fact, everybody in my family, other than me, uh, took up that profession. Um, we got a lot into the history of it. And um, so it, it's been more than just a, a date on the calendar for, for me and my family. With regards to diversity and inclusion, um, I would tell you that over the course of my career, uh, where I've had the privilege to lead multiple organizations, um, diversity has always been uh, one of the things that help set my organizations apart from other organizations. Uh, I think it makes you're more competitive. Uh, it makes you, uh, as an organization, uh, it makes you uh, much better able to meet the needs of your of your community. Um, and particularly when you do what we do here at the county, which is we provide services to the community. Um, it it uh, just makes sense to have uh, a, a workforce that reflects the diversity of the, of the community we serve. So... You touched on this a little bit, but can you talk through your professional path to get here where you are now in Washoe County? Sure. So um, I've had um, quite the uh, career. I didn't plan it this way, but uh, I'm one of those people that things just kind of occurred and I followed uh, followed my heart. And <laughs> I tell people that um, I believe that uh, I am here uh, in part because of... Uh, my collective uh, life's experiences um, that have prepared me to do, I think, what we're doing. And um, I started my career um, in uh, marketing with uh, Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati. Um, And I was working on such illustrious brands as uh, Charmin bathroom tissue and um, Puff's facial tissue. And uh, then I made the big time and was... uh, uh, an assistant brand manager on Pampers. 
that was in Cincinnati working for Procter and Gamble. Um, and after about five years of that, I went back to the West Coast uh, to uh, go to work in, of all things, the, the tuna industry. And I worked for Bumblebee Seafoods and Starkiss Foods. Uh, and I worked on their pet food brands, so Nine Lives Cat Food, things like that, um, which was a lot of fun and uh, a very competitive uh uh, marketing environment where you'd uh, sell your mother for um, you know uh, five cents a, a can for uh, tuna or or uh, cat food canned cat food. So I did that, and then I got hired away by uh, uh, the uh, cable TV industry at a time when they knew uh, they were going to have to compete against this thing called direct broadcast satellite. Direct TV was launching, and. Uh, the cable industry at that time didn't have any talent that had worked in competitive categories. I had, um, I knew how to manage a, a marketing uh, agency, something else they had never had to do. Um, I knew how to um, use uh, quantitative analysis to figure out where you should be priced and how you should go to market something else they had never had to do before. Uh, so I went to work for uh, what was called Times Mirror Cable TV. It was a forerunner of what is now Cox Cable, which uh, serves southern Nevada. They're not up here. Um, and um, it was at the beginning of a, a merger and acquisition frenzy in the uh, cable TV industry. So within three to four years, I found myself working for uh, Charter Communications, um, which is now Spectrum, which does serve northern Nevada. And, and Reno was one of my markets. Uh, and so that's basically how I became familiar with uh, Washoe County and, and the city of Reno and uh, Sparks, um, Incline Village, all, all those all those communities. And uh, <laughs> that was back during the Bob Cashel days. Um, it was a different time. But... Um, my wife and I always thought that if we had an opportunity to sort of wind down our careers uh, here in northern Nevada, um, that the, the uh, quality of life here um, and the fact there are no state income taxes was pretty attractive. And um, So, as you know, I've been here two years, and, uh, and we absolutely love it. And, I, you know, one of the things when we uh – We've obviously worked with you since 2019, and you bring so many experiences and things that we don't always think about in in the public sector. But and I and that's what I want to bring in too with your professionally your professional experience in the private sector. What can we learn from that experience when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, uh, uh, once again, I. I I have clearly, um, one, one of the hallmarks of my career has been um, being able to um, look across the spectrum of um, diversity in the communities that I've served and um, be able to um, communicate effectively with those uh, various aspects of the community, whether that's... Um, by speaking or communicating in language or by understanding some of the cultural nuances. Um, and um, that goes a long way towards um, 
optimizing uh, customer satisfaction. So diversity can actually help you do that, diversity and inclusion. If you understand the various cultures and ethnicities that you're serving and how they're different, if you can celebrate uh, those differences as opposed to uh, denigrating them, um, you can actually um, provide better service uh, than an organization that does not do that. And, um, you know, my observation here in northern Nevada is that uh, although it's not the most diverse community I've ever lived in, um, people are, are fairly open, uh, I have found. Uh, people are fairly open um, to um, uh, learning about other cultures. And uh, I just think that um, one of the reasons for celebrating uh, Black History Month is that um, and it, um, it gives us a chance to educate folks on um, black history and what's unique about uh, that culture um, as opposed to cultures that um, they may have grown up in. And I hope uh, as we go forward that the county um, will continue to celebrate other cultures. So uh, the Latino community or what women are doing. Um, there are so many different aspects of our community um, that need to be celebrated. And I think uh, as that's done, uh, what you get is people have a better understanding of, um, you know, the differences and the nuances in the community. And hopefully that helps us to, to get along better and have a more cohesive community. We do have an exhibit that we're going to talk about at the end, right, before, before we let you go, Mr. Brown, we'll talk about um, a really cool exhibit that we're going to have here. But before we do that, let's switch gears and talk about some of your personal life and those experiences growing up as a black man. And the, the history, you do have a, a diverse um, background living on the East Coast, moving to the West Coast. Can you talk us through some of your, um, your experiences in different parts of this country? Yeah, sure. I, I grew up in southeastern Virginia, a town called Hampton, uh, down on the Chesapeake Bay. And um, at the time that uh, I came along, um, the school, my father, my mother and father ran a, a kindergarten. And uh, the kindergarten at that time was for uh, people of color um, who were professionals. So doctors, lawyers, teachers, uh, people who worked for NASA, which was in our town. If you were African-American at that time, uh, you couldn't send your kids to the public kindergartens. So you would send them to uh, Ding Dong kin Kindergarten. I'm in the I was in the last graduating class of Ding Dong. Um, and um, when I came along, the schools were desegregated and we could go back uh, to uh public schools. Uh, and, and so I, I, I tell people that because uh, I'm old enough that I remember those experiences and um, they had a profound impact on my life in terms of um, knowing what it's like um, to be marginalized and uh, not able to have the same opportunities or resources as maybe some other people did. But my parents always taught us, um, you know, we didn't get upset about it. Um, you just had to work harder and rise above, and uh, that's what we did. Um, you know, a very different environment where I went to college. I went to UCLA as an undergrad, and uh, that was like moving to a different country um, because of the amount of diversity um, 
that was represented in the st- and still is in the student body there. And, and when I arrived there as a freshman, which would have been in 1978 or 79, um, people were coming over from Southeast Asia to escape um, persecution. And um, so here I am, uh, this 18-year-old kid out of Virginia, um, you know, actually never spent any time with uh, Spanish-speaking people or uh, Korean people or uh, folks from uh, any of those nations, and and I'm at UCLA. And um, I just learned a lot about um, other cultures, other religions, other ways of thinking, and um, really changed my life in terms of opening up my mind to, uh, you know, what what a uh, diverse world this is, and uh, everybody doesn't think the way I think, um, and and uh, how to appreciate that. I, I there's another story that I've heard you tell about your parents, um, and I do think it. I'm, I'm certain, as you as you've told us and are about to tell us broaden your perspective when your dad taught in summers in Africa. So as a young man, and you were, what, elementary school? Yeah, I was about eight years old. My father um, got a job working in uh, West Africa. Uh, uh, Mom was a teacher, as I said before. So we would, uh, when mom got out of school uh, for the summer, we got out of school for the summer, we'd go wherever dad was to visit him. And... um, First visit was to Sierra Leone. Uh, Dad lived in the capital, which is uh, uh, Freetown. And um, again, another wonderful experience at eight years old to be uh, uh, going to Africa for the summer. Um, you know, I didn't know any better. I thought everybody went to Africa for the summer. If I, you know, if we were doing it, would, I wouldn't uh, learn until much later in life that uh, that was a unique experience. But um, we spent the summers uh, wherever Dad was, and uh, so we got to see um, all the beauty of Africa, but also the challenges of poverty. And um, the other thing that that really <clears throat> dawned on me uh, from a diversity standpoint is, uh, you know, my parents gave us the gift of travel at a young age, and uh, that really uh, exposed us to other cultures and languages, and you learn that uh, the bigotry and and racism, uh, certainly that we experienced uh, as kids in southeastern Virginia, in some form exists all over the world. Um, In Africa, there are tribes that that don't like each other and will will not deal with each other. Uh, Later, when I was in the the tuna business, you, you go to uh, the Western Pacific and find out that the Micronesians don't like the Polynesians, don't like the Hawaiians. Um, and it just puts it in perspective for you um, that it's not just a black-white thing or, uh, or a Latino-white thing. It's all over the world. People have these challenges. And I guess at a certain level, it, it uh, helped me understand that it wasn't my problem. Um, it was the oppressor's problem. And um, that, I, you know, I just, again, had to rise above and find a way to have grace and um, uh, you live your life accordingly. So I'm curious, um, you're leader of Washoe County, this organization. We're coming up on a primary election and then general election. 
Um, and that, that's so key to our, um, really our democracy. You oversee the registrar of voters. Mm -hmm. um, probably not, a, this probably isn't a place where a young Eric Brown thought you, <laughs> you would be. Uh, what was your experience as a first time voter and then um, clearly now overseeing the yeah. election? Yeah. Um, so um, I have to tell you, one of the other expectations in my family, along with education, was uh, we always took the voting process seriously. Um, I, I remember my uh, grandmother was in Wilmington, North Carolina, coming home. I remember visiting her um, on election day when I was a kid, and um, she came home from the polls with tears in her eyes. It was the only time I ever saw her cry. And mom asked her uh, what had happened, what's wrong. And um, I remember her uh, telling us that they made her take a reading test. And what they gave her to read was Shakespeare. And I dare say that the person administering the test probably couldn't read what uh, they were requiring her to read. But they did that so that they could deny her the right to vote. And as a young kid, that was a very profound moment for me. Um, and we, I made sure we, we always voted. Now, my first voting experience <laughs> was uh, very, uh, it, was a situ it wasn't very pleasant. The polling places uh, that we went to were very intimidating. And though they didn't uh, administer a reading test, um, it, it was just not a very comfortable experience. Um, you can tell when people don't want you there, don't want you to be uh, engaging in voting. And it was for that reason that um, I began doing uh, mail-in ballots because I didn't want to go to the polls. Uh, it, was, it was a very intimidating experience. And um, pretty much for the rest of, my, uh, rest of my life up until now, uh, I mailed the ballots in as opposed to um, going to the actual voting booth. I would also say that um, I would want people to know that I take it very seriously. So I know there's a, a lot of energy around potential election fraud and, and um, um, accusations of, of, um, of issues. Uh, I was actually um, in the vote counting room on uh, election night. Um, I take it very seriously. I know our registrar, our voters, takes it very seriously, and indeed our, our whole staff does. And uh, uh, it is very important to me that Washoe County um, continues to conduct our elections with integrity. So I was born in 1978. I'm from California. It's really hard for me to wrap my mind around um, exclusion um, really blows me away. And I think this is a really hard topic for a lot of Americans. Um, your role here at the county, you are expanding, um, really launching this diversity um, and equality program. What kind of conversations should people be having in the workplace? Um, people like me, that this, this feels so foreign, but it's not, and it's not that far behind in our history. Yeah, I, I think um, it can be very uncomfortable for some people. And um, understanding that, I think there's always an opportunity to approach some of your coworkers who maybe come from a background that you're not familiar with and um, in the right way ask them. 
uh, about their experiences. If there are holidays or uh, practices that you know they're engaged in, um, you know, um, I, th I think questioning and wanting to know about it is a form of flattery. I, I know that uh, from a religious standpoint, um, I didn't grow up around a lot of Jewish people. I got to UCLA. There were Jewish people there. There were Jewish holidays I'd never paid attention to. Um, we would go sit down and I'd say, can you explain this to me? Because I, I just hadn't been exposed to that. Those are the kinds, of, I think the more we, we learn about each other and our cultures, our rituals, um, really that, that's uh, the path to better understanding. In addition to being a college athlete, going to UCLA, uh, you also got your MBA from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. And you have an experience about that process involving your own father that you didn't learn until, I believe, after you were done? Yeah, Dad, um, my father um, and mother um, both had uh, undergraduate and graduate degrees. They were the first generation on either side of the family to go to college. Um, and um, uh, when I came along, um, uh, I graduated from UCLA in four years, which nobody does because you're having too much fun at UCLA, and it's a beautiful place. But And you were playing sports, two sports. I, I was. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I um, got an academic scholarship to the Darden School, University of Virginia, and um, uh, completed uh, the MBA program there in two years. <laughs> and on graduation day... Um, my dad, uh, of course, and mom were there for graduation. It was the first time I saw my father cry, and I didn't, I didn't really get it because, you know, he'd come to UCLA's graduation and he didn't get emotional about that. Why would he get emotional here at, at uh, the Darden School, University of Virginia? And it was then that he told me that he, his name was John Brown, very plain name. Um, and he told me that he had actually been accepted at the University of Virginia um, when he came out of high school in North Carolina. He shows up at campus, um, and they deny him access because they didn't understand until he showed up that he was African-American. And he never shared that before. But at graduation, um, you know, it just hit him that uh, here is his son, uh, who's graduating from the institution that had denied him the right to go to school. It, and uh, it was just a, a very profound moment. Wow, that is shocking to me, but uh, I don't even know what to say to that. Our conversation today with our boss, Washoe County Manager Eric Brown, uh, you always enlighten us with your personal stories, and I, I appreciate that. And you, you have this wonderful ability to mix your professional and your personal life, and we always learn from you, which is exactly what we're doing today. It is, and we've alluded to this several times, so let's talk about this exhibit that we're launching for Black History Month here at the Washoe County Complex, and this program that you're really launching. Um, this is the first time Washoe County has done something like this. Can you talk a little bit about um, this program and the exhibit that we will be seeing shortly here? Sure. Well, I, you know, again, I think... Um, one of the ways we, we grow more cohesively and get better at diversity and inclusion is learning about other cultures. So 
this exhibit um, will give a, um, our, our employees a chance and the community uh, a chance to learn some things about black the black history that's relevant to our county uh, and our region. Um, to, uh, when I first saw some of the elements of these exhibits, I was blown away because there were things, I, I am not from here, obviously, so there are things that I uh, did not realize um, were uh, had taken place. So um, I, I just encourage folks, um, if you get a chance uh, to check the exhibit out, uh, do that, uh, ask questions. Um, maybe it will give you a little motivation to go um, do some additional research on your own to find out uh, more about uh, black history. I think, again, our plan will be to um, move on from this and explore some other cultural uh, backgrounds uh, in the future. It's not just because I'm black, we're doing Black History Month, uh, but it's a good place to start, and um, I'm, I'm very thankful to everybody who helped put it together. When we talk about Black Springs, which we will be uh, discussing on a future podcast here in a couple of weeks on Washoe Life, that's an unincorporated community that we learned about in the last several years, I guess. But when you talked about that, you didn't know about it either. I, I didn't yeah. know about that. I, um, and I, I think um, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that um, um, beyond the exhibit, uh, the county is going to be working with the Black Springs folks to make sure that that um, location gets addressed as it should be. Um, but um, and and I'm also very proud of the fact that the uh, the commission as a whole has supported that that that's uh, that's meaningful. So, um, but yeah, there 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 are elements uh, like the Black Springs um, phenomenon and as well as some other uh, historical facts that I think folks uh, will find uh, interesting. We're really looking forward to seeing that. Um, again, that'll be at the Washoe County Complex in Building A. Um, come check that out this month. Um, and thank you, Eric, for joining us. This is It's a tough conversation, but I love what you said about celebratory, and that really is just so important for all of us to, to learn from one another and celebrate our differences and, and learn about them. So thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for having me. All right. And with that, this is Washoe Life. We thank you so much, Eric Brown, for joining us. And you know what? We'll have you back here. We'd love to have you back here as our guest. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us. This podcast is called Washoe Life. And we want you to meet the people who make Washoe County so interesting, like Eric Brown. If you have an idea, please send it to Washoe311 at washoecounty.gov. Until next time, have a great day. Goodbye.